Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, and Zane. And today we have a very special episode. We have on my friend Angie Martin, who is an amazing author and just as an amazing person. So I cannot wait for you to hear this. Um, so let's get into it. Cue the music. <laughs> Hello, horror fans. It's me, Cassandra, and Zane from the Horror Podcast. And today, the Horror Craft Podcast, like I could speak English. Um, so the Horror Craft Podcast, that's who we are. Um, and today we have on one of my favorite people, especially one of my favorite people on Clubhouse, Angie Martin. Angie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for the stunning introduction there <laughs> of course so for those of you who didn't get the experience which trust me you are a mess you're literally like missing out on a great experience um w- during covid clubhouse became really popular and one thing that really took off was horror clubhouse and so that was a part of a group that i joined in during covid and quarantining and um just fell in love with all of these random people that I just absolutely adore now and can tell pretty much my whole life story to, um, which is kind of crazy um, when you're telling strangers just like random facts about your life, but we were all just vibing in there. So um, at one point there was a 24 hour clubhouse room um, that our friend Max kind of circulated as well. And my introduction to that was a movie that we watched together called The Pool, which was a very interesting movie. Um, So, but Angie and I kind of connected and uh, we've just been talking back ever since. So it's so fun to have you on here. Like finally, like I feel like I finally accomplished like what I set out to do because Angie was one of the first people that told me I could do this. Um, So if Angie says it, then it's going to happen. Like, (laughs) That's just how it happens. You're doing it. You're doing it. Yes, we're doing it with Zane, who you're, yeah. this is his first interview. So, and yeah. already, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're crushing it. So excited. Yeah. So we're super excited. So we have a couple of icebreaker questions for you. Just kind of random, mm-hmm. just general horror questions. Um, the first one is what is your favorite horror movie? I knew you were going to ask me that and you should know as a horror lover, you can't ever ask that question of a true horror fan. It will change all the time. So many subgenres oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And they're the subgenres and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, oh God. If it could I, even just be your favorite at the moment right now. Right. Can I just tell you the horror movie I watched today? Yes. Yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original with Gene Wilder. I mean, total horror movie. Like, if, if anyone hasn't had, like, a hallucinogenic dream about crazy, like, yeah, Oompa Loompas coming after you, then you, you haven't had that child experience. From the beginning until the end, there's all these moments. Like, at the beginning, they've got the Candyman sing- candy, uh, shop guy owner singing about the Candyman, and he's, like, giving these kids free candy and saying, come behind my counter, eat all the candy you want, kids. Come on, kids. And he's, like, uh no don't do it don't do it don't do it (laughs) and that's exactly uh, why you carry a taser kids yep and then you have the tinkerer when charlie's looking at the wonka factory from afar behind the gates and the tinkerer goes nobody ever comes in and nobody ever comes out and it's just like okay 
<laughs> and and let's talk about the children. It's saw. It's saw for children. It's pretty pretty much like I've not heard that. Saw. I've not heard that. It makes sense. Don't get me wrong. I've just never heard that before. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? It would it would be interesting to see that come up like Winnie the Pooh did and now they're making the Winnie the Pooh horror movie that would be funny if they really do just straight up make a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory horror movie I wondered about that today and then I was thinking about copyrights and stuff because Winnie the Pooh the horror movie the only way they could do it was taking the Winnie the Pooh by A.A. Milne they could not use the Disney Winnie the Pooh because it has to yeah it has to to reach the like the public domain which is like a hundred years or something um it's 70 years well now since i think it's 1974 it changed don't quote me on that even though we're on a podcast um <laughs> it changed to us the lifetime of the artist plus 70 years so before it was much more lenient which is why we see edgar Allan poe and uh hp uh, lovecraft and things like that in the public domain now so but i do think it would be interesting i thought about it today was watching it i was like we could make this into a horror movie like crazy oh straight so up easy. like that boat scene is just like an lsd field like uh horror symposium freaked me out when i was little when i first watched it. it i mean i'm just like nope i can't like and like gene wilder like if i remember correctly he's like scaring these people down yes he is like, staring into their soul like there's pictures flashing of like bugs crawling on people and things, birds being killed and things like that. And it's just like, how is this suitable for, this is rated G. I mean, to be fair though, we, we really didn't stick with the rating system because, uh, 16 candles. I know for a mops event, we had to have like a PG 13 and under movie and we were watching, no, it was PG and it was 16 candles and 16 candles is PG and they show nudity and that came out in the 80s so yeah 1984 was the very first pg-13 movie and it was red dawn yes yeah the very first one exactly i mean a little trivia this is why we love you angie you just (laughs) a wealth of knowledge yeah yeah so it's here so yeah so that's Um, what i watched today definitely and uh i would that was the first horror movie I ever watched. So I'll go what with that one. Your, what is okay. your favorite underrated horror movie? So like, if you want to classify that as a B movie or just something that doesn't get the recognition it deserves. So I'm going to go with two movies. I'm going to go with The Scare House by our friend Gavin Michael Booth. The Scare yes. House is an incredible, fun, revenge horror movie it's one of the best revenge ones I've seen. I mean, you know, like we always think of like the last house on the left or your next, or, uh, I spit on your grave, things like that for revenge horror. But this is like really fun, great kills. I mean, explicitly great kills that yes. you don't see very much of, but it sometimes they just rely, like the very first kill, it relies so much on the sound. So after you go watch The Scare House, which happens to star his wife, Sarah Booth, mm-hmm. um, go on YouTube and you can watch all these behind the scenes things like about the sound and how much difference that made 
to everybody or how much difference it made in the scene, especially that very first kill, which I'm not going to spoil. Uh, the second most underrated horror movie, I would say, is The Monster Project. Um, yes. It is a found footage. Did you watch that with us, Cassandra and the director? Yes, I did. And it is on my list for every single person I ever talk to. If they want a horror re movie recommendation, I'm like, this is literally sitting on Tubi and other, and it gets shuffled on platforms from time to time. But I'm like, it is out there and you need to be it's, watching it like right now because it's, it's insane. On my top five it's on my top five for found footage it is so fun and so great and what's awesome is that also like with the scare house you can go online afterwards on youtube and you can see videos like backgrounds of um the the japanese uh demon possessed girl yes. you can see like all of her background and stuff it's so cool so it reminds me kind of what they did with like uh 13 ghosts where they went into yes. the unofficial backgrounds of all of the ghosts and stuff so i would say those are my two most underrated horror movies um one that's also very underrated that is just fun that we were just talking about before we recorded was madhouse 2004 starring joshua leonard and jordan ladd Cheryl Ladd's daughter. Um, I've watched that. I, we actually watched it because we, my best friend and I would go to Blockbuster. Yes, I said Blockbuster. And we would <laughs> pick out some of the worst titles and horror movies we could find, things that looked like they had a bad cover and things like that. And we would buy a ton of candy and a ton of alcohol. And we would spend all Saturday night as a slumber party with the kids asleep, watching crappy horror. And we picked out Madhouse one time. And we're looking at each other like, I kind of like this one. <laughs> this is actually pretty good. I've seen it like seven or eight times. I think this was my seventh or eighth showing the other day when we watched it together as a watch party. And it is just so much fun and exciting. It's got a great pace. It's got great crazy kills. It's it's just a well put together movie uh, if you want some fun in your horror. So yeah. I think and those would be my top three underrated horror movies. Yeah, and definitely with Gavin, like Gavin is a sweetheart um, on Clubhouse and he's amazing. And I agree with Ashley, Ashley Causey on this. We need to start a Sarah Michael Booth fan club. Um, yes. I, uh, she's an amazing actress. And I literally like flipped shit the other day because I forgot that she was in an episode of Law and Order and it yes. came on and I was watching it. I was like, I know that person. Like I've talked. I, I feel like I know. And then I looked at it and it was her. I was like, oh my God, it's Gavin's wife. And I was like, she's just so amazing. And I completely yes. forgot that she was. A, and I'm like, no wonder I thought this episode was always so good. Like, and then it made me realize like going back to watching Scarehouse, like how just the performance and everything that Gavin does in that movie is just so meticulous. Like he really does. Oh. Yeah. And this isn't blowing up smoke up Gavin's behind oh. because uh, I would, you know, he's he such, just, we wouldn't talk about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he really would not, but honestly, like he just, he's really just flawless in the things that he does. And it's just meticulous and it is severely underrated. The only other one that I would add to that list because uh -huh. of the fact that I found out about it from some weird, like, I think it was a TikTok, um, was rare exports. I just found yes. out about this over this last Christmas season. And I will tell you, I probably watched that once a week. Um, it's incredible. Rare oh. Exports is one of the best horror Christmas movies. And it, it beats out Krampus. You know, it beats out Better Watch Out, even though Better Watch Out is a great movie too. 
it, it beats all those other horror movies, A Christmas Horror Story, which is also a great anthology right. that has William Shatner in it, but right. people don't know about. Um, I was just telling somebody today, there's so much great holiday horror that people don't know about, and especially with Christmas horror. And Rare Exports is just a beautiful example of a great horror movie. Yeah, it's one that really just kind of flied under the radar. And Mm -hmm. it just makes me so mad that like people don't know more about this because it's just like so, so good. But I just feel like, you know, it it's just Christmas horror is great. So don't be surprised if that shows up in the next couple of months because we are all about Christmas horror. And I love watching like any kind of horror themed holiday movies, but especially Mm -hmm. Christmas. And so that's just one that I feel like doesn't deserve enough attention. No, but let's not make it through Halloween too fast because this is my favorite time. No, yeah, yeah, no, we, I'm already decorated. Yeah, look, we we deserved it. Okay, this summer yes. has been crazy hot. Like it, it's August. It's already Halloween. Like just accept it, people. It is. It yeah, is. That's the one holiday you won't <laughs> hear me complain about. Yeah, being look, stores too early. Yeah, it's just. I mean, we only get so much of a period of time where we can actually like have these things. So just let us live. Like just let us. Live. Yeah. Well, and I get to work the haunted house every year, the haunted woods every year up in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And I'm the special effects makeup manager and also a manager in the haunted house. And it's just, to me, I've been piling up my stockpile of makeup. I've been trying out new techniques. I have a, an assistant this year who assisted me last year also, who's great. We're just going to have so much fun this year. Both of us have been practicing our skills. And so, yeah, every day I'm like, Halloween, 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 come on, come on, come on. I want to open the haunted haunted woods. I want to go work, (laughs) you know? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, So what is your favorite horror TV series? This could be like super um, obscure. This could be one that like people know about. This could be something that borderlines on horror. It could be literally anything. So I have a few, actually. The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, Mike Flanagan has been one of my favorite directors since I saw Oculus. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has made, people didn't know about him back in the Oculus days. And uh, when Haunting of Hill House came out, he finally got his due. But I remember watching Oculus, Ouija Origin of Evil, Gerald's Game, Ouija Origin of Evil. Brilliant. The way that he makes the film, oh, he, he makes it look like it was filmed back in those days with the little mm-hmm. pop-ups of the little circle in the corner of the screen and stuff. Um, he, he did Gerald's game um, just, which was an unfilmable film, an unfilmable book. Cause how do you make a movie about a woman lying in a bed handcuffed? Yeah. He did it. An extraordinary. He did it. Yeah. And then Haunting of Hill House came out and I just fell absolutely unloved. I've watched it like over 10 times. Um, I, I would venture to say that that is probably my favorite close, you know, very close top five, definitely. Um, one, uh, Dexter is just dear to my heart so much. And I, I binge watched the whole thing recently before the new season came out of Dexter and, um, I didn't mind the ending so much, <laughs> you know, a lot of people complained about that ending in the last season. And I didn't mind so much when I was binge watching. I still love Dexter to death. Um, and one that I picked up recently is called from, 
and it's on epics. Yes. Have you seen that? I've heard about it. I heard people raving about it. Drop everything you're doing and go watch from 10 episodes. They got a second season coming from will scare you crapless. I mean, I, I live by the woods and these creatures come out of the woods in the show. And I remember I'm never scared of walking outside at night at the woods, bugs, things like that doesn't bother me at all. And after I'd watched the show one time, I was walking outside at night and I kept like looking off at the woods, like what, uh, (laughs) they're coming for me. I know they're coming for me. You know, it is so good. You will get hooked. I've seen it three times now, the first season, and it just came out earlier this year. So, uh, definitely watch from that. I, I, I mean, I already was planning on it, but that's, I mean, high accolades coming from you essentially, <laughs> like move it up to the top. Yeah. I, I would definitely agree. I have not watched Hill House yet. I'm a horrible horror fan right now. Uh, I have not watched, had a chance to watch it yet. Um, I need to get in. I just know that like, if I'm going to watch it, I need to literally schedule a day where I can watch all of it because I'm just not going to not stop. And do but, yourself a favor, do it at night when the lights are out and you're alone, if you can yeah. <laughs> just do yourself that favor because it makes it so much. I mean, it's great in the daytime, but at night, wow. It just blows you away at night. Yeah. It, so yeah, I definitely agree with that. See, so I have so many, cause I think there are just so many good shows. Yes. Salem. I love Salem. to get her to watch Fort Salem. Fort Salem. Fort Salem. It's the new take on witches in America. It's, it's on where Hulu. they're a part of the military. It's on Hulu. It's on um, FX. So actually, there's different branches of the um, military, and one branch deals with occult items and different stuff like that. So they, and it's just it's a it's a fabulous watch. I'm on the. It's season. on my list. It's on my list. Yes. So another one that I got Zane, I had him watch an episode of. It literally flew under the radar. And unfortunately, it's because it had a tragedy. Unfortunately, the star died, I think, halfway into them premiering the season. Um, but it's a show from the 90s. It's called Kindred the Embraced. And I think it is absolutely amazing. It takes essentially kind of takes vampire like clans and different things like that and formats them into like this soapy kind of drama but also at the core of it is kind of like they're they're using mob and like crime boss kind of like statures in Hmm. relation to like covens and different things like that and it's very layered and it's just like very good there's a lot of like early 90s stars so like brian thompson's in it um I could just go on and on. There are people that show up all the time that I'm just like, holy crap. So, but it was, it was only one season because the star Mark Frankel, he, he passed away. Wow. Um, I guess we do have to add supernatural to my list. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first, the first couple of seasons of supernatural are just flawless, like absolutely flawless. I mean, it continues on from there, but like the first couple of seasons are just 
unmatched especially when it's in them in the groove of like monster hunting and stuff like that like it is an elevated scooby and the fact that they even did an episode where they did scooby a scooby natural yeah where they did a scooby-doo crossover i mean yes. like come on like, it was perfect it, it was, was perfect. wonderful <laughs> yeah. yes it was absolutely perfect so well, i'm gonna add those other two fort salem and kindred the embraced yes i will add those in uh zane you need to watch Salem definitely it's a great great show yes Salem is uh that that is actually still somewhere that is like that whole entire set is just sitting in the bogs of Louisiana um just like close to Louisiana yeah it's literally if you google it I think it's exploring with Josh he went there this is another thing that Ashley and I get in common is like the urban exploring like abandoned places that mm-hmm. whole set was literally just left behind in like a back swamp of Louisiana and like they're trying to get it to where it's restored and everything because it's literally it's it's looks like Salem Massachusetts back in the day and it's just a preserved mm-hmm. like building and stuff like that so hopefully they can do that one day because I think that that would just be really freaking cool to just go in and like do it but apparently it's like a whole adventure to get there and I just don't have the stomach for that wow wow that's crazy I want to go find it now (laughs) yeah watch the video and I'm pretty sure you you probably could just message him and be like hey look I just want to go there can you just like drop me the location I'm pretty sure he'd be like yeah I could do that wow (laughs) that'd be so cool yeah that would be very cool uh what is your favorite horror genre Ooh, this one's very hard. Um, I know it's hard to pick. <laughs> so many good ones. You know, I, I've really come to appreciate found footage lately. Um, last October, it, you know, I, I everybody always takes October to watch horror movies. I watch horror movies all the time, but October, I make it a very specific mission. It's just horror movies. Right. And last October, I did nothing but found footage. And I had a lot of fun doing that. You know, I found some gems and I found some really bad ones. Yeah. That it's just like, you have to go in and you have to watch. And once you've been watching and stuff like that, you, you do find those gems in there. So I've, I've come to appreciate it when it's done right. The medium is on my top five list also for found footage. Um, I think it's Thai or I, I'm totally going to get it wrong. So, you know what? I'm not going to going to commit to that either. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie is so good and it's on shutter and um, it's a found footage that's done absolutely right because yes, there's a film crew that's filming a documentary about this woman who is a medium. Uh, that's not what they call it, but um, uh, she's a shaman in her village. And um, she uh, ends up, Uh, anyway, she goes through all the stuff, but what's really cool is like at the beginning, it acts just like a documentary and the way that they did it was perfect because you never meet the documentarians until things kind of go crazy, but you don't have like, Oh, sorry. Um, you don't have like that whole 45 minutes of just meeting them and watching them go through their day and all this other stuff where you're just like, okay, come on, let's get to the scares and stuff. This is you don't really care about the documentarians. You don't really meet them at all. So it's like you're watching an actual documentary and it makes it even more real and more scary because of that. I should say scarier because of that. Um, 
So uh, found footage is something I've become really fond of. I do love the psychological horror though. Um, I can't put a price on psychological horror. I love, I love what it does to your mind. I, I just love being the twists and turns and the, having to think of things in a new way and stuff. I just don't, um, that's my little, little dog, seven hours. <laughs> oh. um, let's see, let's see. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, psychological horror, the only thing I don't like is when they turn it political. I don't like politics to flood into my horror because I can turn on the news and watch that. I don't need somebody telling me what to think or or believers, you know, having to deal with the news in my horror movies. I want it to be just strictly horror. And, you know, sometimes it, you can watch a horror movie and it's got political issues in it, but they don't make a big deal of it. And sometimes they really do. And it seems like in psychological horror, it happens a little bit more. So as long as it's not politically driven, I'm, I would say psychological horror is my favorite. I would definitely say that. And I understand exactly what you're saying. I would say, and people are going to come for me for this, but I will stand on this hill. Look, I understand the purge series are not the most well with continuity and different things like that. However, I do think that the new purge movie, the forever purge, while it might've had its faults, the point that it was trying to make was very just kind of low, right? Like, you know, it wasn't something that they were really just trying to like, Oh yeah. Boom, 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 boom. You know, they had that aspect, but really like the best part of that is when the two guys are having the conversation and he's like, Hey, you stick with yours. I'll stick with mine. And he's like, that's good in theory, but we're here now and we need yeah. to move forward with this. And I just think that that was such a brilliant way to do it, but I don't like how, like you said, there are a lot of them that that's just like the straight point, but I feel like something like that, where yes, you have all of this going on around you, but something that flies in low like that, where they're really like trying to, you know, kind of bring home this point and it's kind of done in different ways, I think. Exactly. Nice. That way we can focus on the movie. If you want to focus on the politic or the statement that they're making, fine. If you want to focus on the horror, you can focus on that. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like with George Romero, you know, it was a political statement in a zombie movie in his original uh, Dawn of the Dead, but, or not. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn, but, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and and stuff like that. But um, you, it wasn't so far in your face that you had to, you know, drop the horror to live in the real world to watch it. So yeah, yeah, or like you know the thing when we were doing research on the thing, and I never like we didn't really like bring it up, but part of the thing that they were like bringing up is at the time that the thing came out, like mm -hmm. there was still an issue with the AIDS crisis. And so mm -hmm. they were, you know, people were, that was like a fear of theirs. And it was, that was just kind of snuck into the, that it doesn't even make like a statement about that really in general, but it just fed on something that people at that moment were just so happening to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, I can say Hereditary is probably one of the best psychological horrors we've had in a long time. Uh, just really eats at you the entire movie and gets you in a way that that many movies don't. But you can go back to things like Silence of the Lambs, you know, really great, intense psychological. And it, I do consider it a horror. You have a cannibal, you know, you have somebody peeling off people's skin and wearing it. That's horror to me. Um, 
but you know, you can go way back and, and get really great psychological horror. Like even with the birds, you know, it kind of gets yes. under your skin and stuff in a way that, that regular horror doesn't. And it makes you rethink an entire population of flying creatures, you know, psycho was a great example of it too. So, and a lot of Edgar Allan Poe does amazing amazing psychological horror so I think it can really be done well and I think it can be done today very very well as also yeah mine is slashers I don't know why I just have a thing for (laughs) slashers I just feel like it's because it's such a broad spectrum of people and I feel like the one thing it does really good at showing is anybody can be a monster anybody can be that person that's hiding behind the mask um and you know like one of my perfect examples of it is the stepfather like the fact that that even happened and then on top of it the the actual like case that it was based on that's kind of what in essence happened a little bit with that like that he killed his whole entire family and then went off and started a new family and again that's like a a hill i'll die on but that's like that is a whole other level of just insane because here you have this very looking guy good looking guy terry o'quinn who's just like you think oh he he's just this stand-up guy who's like in taking care of the stepdaughter and doing all those things and he is a mass murderer was he not just the perfect actor for that role oh perfect like that was just it's so done meticulously like with his character and how you arrive at that and different things Uh like when he really fully becomes that character at the end and they go at each other, it is intense. And I just, like I said, the fact that that really, I mean, obviously it's like dramatized and stuff like that. Like they didn't know that that was going to happen and stuff like that. But the fact that that was kind of close to what happened, that he went off and started a whole family and then his neighbors were the ones that turned him in later on. That's insane. But the whole opening scene for that movie, that oh, is yeah. one of the best opening scenes in horror. I put that right up along Ghost Ship, you know, yeah. as an opening sequence. Um, just startling and and just shocking as yeah. any opening sequence can be. Yeah. I most like, I like a good creature movie. Part of um ones that I like are like the alien species um just different ones like that like those are my my categories that I like to watch yeah most definitely yeah I'm not as big on creature features but have you seen the wretched saying (gasps) I have not and it is amazing and I I think we've had this discussion before but yeah we had a clubhouse about um watch party for that and everyone that was it was their premiere party because yes. they premiered during COVID. So they used our clubhouse room. I couldn't believe it. Cause I thought I was just getting the producer and the two directors. And when they started piling in, I was like, wait, we got the lead actor in here too. Like it was crazy. And they said, we're just going to use this like our premiere because we never had a premiere. And then I was like, man, I wish more people were in here because it's such a great, great movie. And it's a wonderful creature feature. I think you'll love it, Zane. Yeah. It it involves uh, some really good folklore with like a witch and it's just very, it just sucks you in. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Plus the teenage summer. Yes. Yeah, it's just one of those that I just, 
it I remember them talking about it and for a while for like a couple weeks it was like a number one movie because it was getting played during COVID in like uh drive-in theaters and I just thought how wonderful is that that they like that that happened for them because it was such a just good like if you go into a creature feature sometimes the characters aren't really well founded it's just kind of put in there they really like went through and like researched it and really like dived into what really drives this character and it is just haunting it really is like I just remember watching bits and pieces of it and I was like what <laughs> like and the twists the yes. twists are unbelievable you will never see the twist coming Mm-mm. it's just uh it's it's a great movie all the way around Zane and anybody listening you've got to watch The Wretched yes along with Wretched- every other movie we've talked about <laughs> yeah The Wretched is currently on Hulu um mm-hmm. which is amazing um but speaking of monsters so I'm an OG like uh, I like the OGs like we're talking universal monsters. We're taking it back to the crypt. So when it comes to universal monsters, who is your favorite? I have to go with uh, Dracula. I mean, there was something so haunting about him and and the way that he's been portrayed over the years. But, um, you know, if I'm going to go way back and just avoid classic universal universal monsters, I'm going to go with Nosferatu, 1922, I believe. Yep. Um, I showed that film to my middle son because he showed an interest in horror movies. So I started watching horror movies with him so I could explain them. And I said, these are the movies you can't watch till you're 18. Hostel, House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, things like that. And he didn't even watch until he was like 20. Um, But uh, I showed him Nosferatu when he was 10. And it is still one of his all time favorite horror movies. And it still scares the crap out of him today at 26. So it's just one of those classics. You cannot get much better than Nosferatu as far as Dracula movies. And and that's not to say anything about the classic monster movies from the 50s, 60s and stuff. There's just nothing like Nosferatu, I don't think. Yeah. I think think it because of the black and white, you can't see the colors. And it's just a very, I'm I'm, I'm along with you on that because I like the classics when it comes to like haunting of hill house and um house on haunted hill i mean sorry house on haunted hill the black and white that's my first memory of a horror movie is house on haunted hill in i love it i haven't seen it in a while but mm -hmm. yeah i just watched it a couple weeks ago (laughs) yeah and you know i do think here's the thing like a lot of the technology they've caught up to where they have certain set pieces, but they're not building actual whole sets back in the universal monster days. They were literally building all of these on the back lot of universal. And they had a crew that would come in at night and switch and do the Spanish version of like Dracula and all the other characters. So, I mean, they were big sets. So, you know, Right now, they're building, they're rumored, rumored to be building a universal monster land in the epic universe. And a lot of that is because they had a lot of that stuff still kind of just sitting around. A lot of the plans for it and everything like that. Um, So I'm a Dracula person. I talk about this all the time and it's fully embarrassing, but I own it. 
I had a vampire encyclopedia and I got it specifically because David from Lost Boys was on the cover when he like snarls and makes the yeah with the eyes and I was like that's my book and I would carry it around at school but I love Dracula however recently I've come to appreciate Creature from the Black Lagoon because he is just in his like element these people are coming into his territory messing up his crap and then they have the audacity to be mad at him and he's just trying to exist um but also too like when we did universal monsters and we looked into it that's a whole suit that somebody was in like that was a suit that somebody was in for hours on end in the water with like tubing to for them to breathe in certain like ish like it was a whole thing like this man literally had burns on his face from where the chemicals literally burned his face from being out in the sun with the actual costume um so that's a whole other dedication and the funny thing about that too is they they did a musical a while ago for like hollywood for um halloween horror nights and Uh they have it's rumored that they still have the giant it's literally like a 90 foot head of um creature from the black lagoon like there's just hiding back in like a theater or whatever that's behind it because that was like the whole show and at the end of the show the creature from the black lagoon would accidentally eat the girl that he's been crushing on the whole entire time and so uh, apparently from people like different rumors and stuff like that that's literally just in the back of the stage and they have it hidden with like screens and stuff like that um but i mean just the artistry that went into that and the woman that literally created creature from the black lagoon um her drawings and stuff like that and the fact that she got erased for a long period of time as the creator of that actual like like all the drawings and stuff like that is a whole other just debacle um yeah and it's just insane so yeah i i agree with dracula however i do have a new appreciation for the creature from the black lagoon and supposedly we're getting a jaws theme ride that's that's creature from the black lagoon like how jaw they used to have the jaws ride that you could mm-hmm. ride on apparently we're supposed to get one of those with creature of the black lagoon where like the creature is like popping out and stuff like that so oh. um i think it's I think anything that bringing like a horror themed land or like a horror themed ride or anything like that, kind of like the Saw uh, roller coaster in Thorpe Park. Um, I feel like anything that we do with that is just going to be amazing. But I'm super excited to see that because I feel like I would probably just crap my pants watching like wow. the creature from the Black Lagoon coming out to get you in a boat. I would be like gone. I'd be like, bye. <laughs> like, I, wow. I like you, but I'm not staying around here. I remember taking that Jaws ride when I was a kid, uh, between my sixth and seventh grade years in school, we went out to Disneyland and Universal Studios and all that good stuff. And uh, we um, took that ride. And even as a kid, you knew Jaws was going to pop up. Like that was the big attraction of, you know, that, that ride and, and of Universal Studios back then. And even knowing he was going to pop up, it scared the crap out of me. It did. and the not original as much as the- ride that uh-huh. they actually had to drain that ride three months after they opened because they had a feature that took a chunk out of the boat i talk about this all the time because i could just not imagine this happening but apparently it did not work as effective 
so they were in 10 feet of water, mind you, why I'm saying this, but one time it moved the boat so much to the point where this man fell in in front of his children in 10 feet of water with the mechanical arm with jaws coming towards him. And his children were like in horror, thinking that their dad was going to get like chomped up by jaws. So after that, they closed the ride, they redrained it, and they rechanged that piece and part of that. But no, no, we're not falling in 10 feet of water with jaws. Uh, so but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of the ride. So then when you actually fall in and it's coming towards you, I mean, mind you, he's under, like I said, this isn't four foot of water where he could just like walk out or try to figure some way out. He's in 10 feet of water with a mechanical arm that's kind of coming towards him with this um, animatronic shark that has gone haywire. Oh. And I mean, lawsuit. It was a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> they had to drain it. It was just bad. But I mean, like wow. every time I think of that, I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why I stayed away from, I mean, that would be cool to go through, but it was. I would just be afraid the whole entire time. Like, don't fall out. Don't fall out. Don't fall out. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was cool. But I'll tell you what mesmerized me even more was the psycho house. Oh, Seeing yeah. it up on the hill. Mm. It was just like, oh, it was so creepy. I mean, I remember I was only between sixth and seventh grade. You know, I was only like 12 years old at the time. And uh, it, it freaked me out that Psycho House did something fierce. Yeah, because I mean, it's just like that was shocking at the time. Like the fact that I, I'm sorry, people, if I spoil this at this point, like it, it's just public domain what happens. I'm sorry. But um, like the fact that he they killed off the leading lady in the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. And it's like a vicious sour scene, which uh ice nine kills just had a really good yes. video where they they did the whole thing and it was like i mean they're just flawless when they do that stuff anyways um it was called like, a, the shower scene was the name yes. of the song yeah actually and it's a, up with me in my head the other day yes uh, I they, it's amazing they have the video out now and it's just i mean like when they go in for a a song like that and they come up with a particular image like the the source material and stuff that they come up with. I mean, no wonder they tour with some of like the biggest like metal acts and stuff out there because they just, they're, it's just chef kiss. Like they're incredible. The yeah. lyrics, the lyrics and the music alone, the way that they recreate music without stepping on copyrights is just amazing. Yes. Yeah. Their rainy day video is like one of my favorite, just because I feel like that's probably should have how resident evil should have turned out. Yeah, Maybe right. <laughs> That's what um, I thought. But then uh, um, Hip to be Scared from American Psycho. Yes. That was a great video, too. I yes. And he's that. perfect. He's perfect in that as Patrick Bateman. Like, and he, I live for the line, hey, Paul. Yeah. And then axes <laughs> him, like, gets him yep. right in the. I saw a thing the other day that it was like, uh, someone went up to someone's door and they're like, do you want to hear the, uh, the good news about our Lord and savior, savior ice nine kills and how they single-handedly brought back the horror music industry. Um, and it's somebody just like with this horrified look and they were like, I thought you were going to talk about the Bible. This is the Bible, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought that that was the funniest thing, but I mean, it's just, it's great. I mean, they're, they're amazing. Not mm -hmm. to like sidetrack, but um, oh, yes. what is your favorite horror 
subgenre. So we asked about the regular, like normal genre. What's your favorite subgenre that so you're subgenre really would be right now? Yeah, subgenre would be more like Stephen King movies. Uh, that yeah. would be more like Hollywood horror, uh, Hollywood holiday horror. Yeah. Um, things that break down the genre even more um, than so difficult uh i almost feel like i need to look up different subgenres of horror like for um, me i would say a good subgenre is holiday horror but it yeah. also i would say is um maybe like 80s slashers um there was just something in the water with that like, like we get fine tunes yes then. Like you have the different slasher movies, you have the psychological, it just further breaks it down yeah. into specifics. Like you can say creature is your favorite genre, but then vampires is your favorite subgenre. Yeah. Or yeah. werewolves or the invisible man or that kind you of know, stuff. I've been watching a lot of 80s inspired horror and 70s inspired horror. I think those are just too fun. Um I- and I don't even think this drills it down, but foreign horror is my favorite. Oh, top tier. Sometimes. Anything coming oh, yeah. out of Asia uh, or Indonesia, uh, Japanese, Korea, um, you know, all, all these uh, uh, French have really stepped it up in horror with Marianne on Netflix. I just recommended that uh, yes, or today to somebody, yesterday to somebody. And I said, you have to watch Marianne on Netflix. It's brilliant. Um the uh, gosh the british do some great horror uh yes. the germans are starting to do some great horror spain and mexico has stepped it up with horror Norwegian, also kind of uh, with some of like yeah. troll hunter that yeah. was like topped when you were I saying mean, that i watched the grudge when it first came out and i want to say i was in high school so between 2008 ish and for me, that was like, oh my God, like, I'm like looking around my back, like, don't. <laughs> but see, if you had watched the actual, like the Juan, which is the, yeah. the actual version of The Grudge, it is a thousand times spookier. That's kind of like, I, even though I'm going to go and see it, I'm a little agitated that they had the balls to make a train to busan remake where they're doing it like train to new york or whatever because that movie is fucking flawless like that movie you don't even know that you have a zombie movie going on until like 20 minutes in you think that you're watching this slow like my first thought when i was watching this because like i had heard like the whole zombie thing but i'm like oh is he gonna like go and go to busan and kill his wife like is he gonna snap and then she turns into a zombie is that what's gonna happen i didn't realize that they're literally taking the last train out where like they're literally moving through parts of like different areas where the zombie apocalypse is just happening on and like the character development like and the characters in that are just flawless like i mean there's just no it's heartbreakingly beautiful the story that it has going on with the father and the the daughter and you know even as we get in later the uh husband with his wife and his wife is expecting and it's like a whole thing with them too and stuff like that Mm -hmm. good 
but also on top of the character development there's literally fucking zombies just like piling through like you we're not talking about like day of the dead dawn of the dead like slow walker we're talking about like world war z gonna fuck your shit up like yeah take over a whole train type like when somebody the infection rate that just happens and the way that these zombies just like pile towards you you are fucking scared like you were with them running towards that train hoping that they don't chop one of your asses because you are just trying to move forward and do what you need to do but i just don't i respect that they're trying to do something but, but no no don't step in that lane it's kind of like you know the sadness just came out and yeah. people are talking about how oh that's great and oh there's this there's that that's kind of similar and I was like no there's not a a movie similar to the sadness the sadness is just fucking intense like it is literally like the worst bits of humanity going on while this other situation is going on yeah yeah they're very big about like character development and making sure that those characters are solid before anything happens in it and I mean when shit gets intense like these people are not afraid to throw gallons of buckets, slice you open, like grotesque ways, almost like giallo. Like they just, if they are going for it, they are going for your throat. Yeah. That kind of way. Another great uh, foreign, <laughs> yeah. Another great foreign uh, zombie movie is One Cut of the Dead. Yes. That is so brilliant. It's one take of one take of I mean it's like it it's insane you can't even describe it it is an amazing movie I don't know how they shot it like that so perfectly uh because it is one take they don't cut at all so yeah I'm literally scanning the dollar trees I've been for a while and like I've had my dollar tree trader people on this but it is so funny they Dollar Tree got a bunch of like um, dubbed like American movies that they did in like Spanish and stuff like that. Well, they did a Spanish dub of Wreck, like of their movie Quarantine, which is obviously Wreck. And I'm like, Wreck is a Spanish movie. Like the double entendre with that because it's that's Wreck, crazy. Wreck is based off of uh like Quarantine is based off the movie Wreck, which is a Spanish horror film that's zombies and quarantine is literally almost a shot for shot recreation of that in certain ways so the fact that they had the goal to have a spanish version of that movie when the actual spanish version is the one that they took the source material from i'm like i just need that dvd for the pure shock value of the fact that they had the audacity to like come out with a spanish version of a spanish film like Oh yeah. That's insanity. That's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just think it's, I don't know. I, I was like, I just don't understand, but yeah, it just kind of look, if you're going to take source material from something that is already so well beloved and Mm -hmm. it's so hard, it's easier now with things like the sadness and train to Busan and all the beautiful films, foreign films that are getting released on shutter and they're just freaking amazing but it's so hard for a foreign film to pop anyways and then you have the audacity to steal the shine from the actual form i mean if you're taking the concept and doing something different with it that's one thing but doing just an americanized version of it like come on why like like get a dub just like just put up with the subtitles like just 
you know, like just so many people watch Squid Game, just find Dud, you right. know, just watch right. the Dud version of Train to Busan and, you know, all these other great horror movies that are out there and they're all right for the picking. So I don't know if that counts as subgenre, but yeah, that definitely does. Yeah. Foreign, foreign, horror. foreign horror. My very first foreign horror movie was um, uh, Audition. My very the early days of its release. My first horror like uh, version of like a foreign film, I think, was Let Me In. Oh, um, the Swedish the, version. The Swedish the Swedish version of Let Me In, and um. Mm-hmm and well you know let the right one in that's the uh, uh swedish version and let me in is the american yeah. version um but that movie i mean i remember watching it and be like what the hell is this going to be but obviously like I, I like i said i was that weirdo kid that was just invested in vampires it was in my vampire encyclopedia mm-hmm. i was going to watch it i figured out how to get it from blockbuster and because yep. i had a blockbuster right down the corner of my house I figured out how to get it I watched it and I was like I don't know what the fuck I just watched but I like it yeah so that's amazing well if you haven't seen Marianne on Netflix it's a series it's one series um and they're not making a second one which is upsetting but it still can close out nicely you know enough uh it's not like a big big cliffhanger or anything like that I mean it's got a cliffhanger but not so huge that you're not on you know, you're right. not left like what, what I never know what happens to these people, you know? Right. So yeah. definitely watch Marianne. It's a, it's great French horror, just great French horror. Yeah, definitely. Um, and a lot of the films we're talking on are on like public sites that you can watch for free. Tubi is a wealth of knowledge. That's where we get a lot of the ones that we watch on Clubhouse because all of us can watch it together at the same time. Um, and if you think that that's impossible, well, we make that happen all the fucking time. Like yep. it might take a, a minute to get people on the same pages, but like we make it happen. So it's so um, much fun. And um, uh, Shutter has been adding a lot of foreign horror lately, also. Uh, well, over it has for a long time now, so I shouldn't say lately, but they've been adding a lot they've more. Been cranking horror. it up. Mm-hmm. A lot of Dario Argenta on there. If you want to watch that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm still still waiting to get full into Giallo. I've 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 dived a little. I'm just not there yet. Um, yeah. So I'm, I, I just, same thing with Hill House. I just need to like commit to it. And yep. then, but I just have a weird thing with eyes. Like Zane does this all the time to freak me out where he'll touch his eyes. And Giallo is like straight so I, that. I feel like. <laughs> no, I'd rather have my foot cut off than have something happen to my eye. At least reason, uh-huh. like reasonably I can like, I can reason that in my mind, but my eye, fuck you. Like I have a taser and I'm going to figure out some way to get past this. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, I'm going to be like, look, take my leg, take it all the way up. I don't care. Just leave the eyes. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah. And Giallo deals a lot with the eyes for some reason. Yeah. Cause I, cause like the eyes are the windows to the soul or yeah. whatever. And it's a lot of like, murdering of innocence and things i like different deep uh themes mm-hmm. that attach with that that we don't even realize so yeah, yeah fuck that no take my arm <laughs> take my leg you know just it's not till the death it's till the pain and i would rather you take every other thing except for my eyes okay <laughs> i love yeah. that 
No. So obviously switching gears, thank you so much for uh, going through our icebreaker questions with us. We appreciate yeah. it. Um, so you are an amazing author. I mean, you do so much to begin with. Like you said, you, you run different horror groups. You are actively just doing all kinds of different things in the horror community, but you crank out so many books. It's insane. Like the level of just you have 16 Kindle editions right now for your books. Um, and I mean, you just are constantly cranking out more. The late, one of the later ones that we, Zane and I just watched, uh, watched read. <laughs> um, but I felt like we were watching it is the book signing murders, mm -hmm. which is a, uh, satirical, um, book. And it is absolutely ridiculous and amazing. And it's just exactly what the horror community encompasses about just having fun with things and just really just fucking shit up. Um, but you have so many different books. So like you have the Chronicler and Mr. Smith, you have the Boys Club, you have Conduit, you have Chrysalis, and you are a bestseller on Amazon in both the US and the UK. Um, and right now you are in Tennessee. I mean, you're close ish to us, but yes. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can kind of wave. Yeah. Hi. Um, but you know, you, I know from talking to you a lot of times that your, your experiences like growing up and stuff like that really lends to your style of horror. Um, so I really just want to get into that. So, um, when did you first start getting into writing? When I was a kid, I, I just, I've always loved reading so much. And I was reading at a young, very young age. Um, and, you know, even up through high school, I was doing things like reading Chaucer in my summertime, you know, just reading to me was so important always. And I loved the idea that I could escape the world and go into this whole other world that somebody else has created and, and do it all in my mind. I could imagine what was going on and see the things going on. And so reading just became a very important part of my life. And I wanted to write stories since I was little. Like I just, that's all I wanted to do was write stories. And when I was in eighth grade, my aunt Carol, who's passed on since, um, for Christmas, she gave me uh, two books, uh, Christine by Stephen King and Pet Cemetery by Stephen uh. King. Oh, I'm sorry, not Pet Cemetery, Salem's Lot. And um, I knew exactly what I wanted to write after reading those two books. Christine, I, I recently had the pleasure of getting like an older copy of Christine. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I squealed in the like flea market. Like people could hear me from the other building. Like I was so <laughs> excited, like, because I love Christine. Just something with me with inanimate objects, kind of like the whole thing with the birds, like the fact that a car is the killer and really more specifically, it's the car influenced the person. Yes. And it's this whole thing of like psychological, just deepness and beating onto this person's fears and like really just kind of fucks with you. And the Plymouth Fury, I'm telling you what, I, if I win the lottery tomorrow, I'm buying two Plymouth Furies. One that's going to be exactly like Christine. The other mm -hmm. one, I'm going to make pink and black. It's going to be for <laughs> a craft mobile. We're going to be, we're going to be riding around in that old spooky bitch, like Elvira, <laughs> you know, with her car. 
we're just going to be running around with uh, trying to mow people not mowing people over oh that's not, but I mean like really just like taking it out like I've told this to Jim before and he's like I would be 100% down to it um but Christine I mean Jim's a car lover so he's exactly with me on that like he thinks that that's like super cool and he loves watching it with me but there's just something about it and the way that Christine takes over Arnie and it really just involves into such a deep level of just psychosis and stuff it yeah. is amazing and the fact that the film version is John Carpenter and Stephen King together along with the Plymouth Fury I mean that's just chef's movie kiss. brilliance yeah that's just amazing like top tier just god tier type stuff um, yes so I definitely could see being influenced by that. <laughs> so, um, uh, which horror author inspired your writing style? I mean, we just kind of just covered that, but <laughs> you know, um, when I started reading horror uh, books, I stuck to Stephen King, Dean Koontz, and John Saul. And a lot of people don't know John Saul, but if you if you've I've not read him before definitely go and read his older books. I haven't read any of his newer stuff. I don't even know when the last time he came out with something is because um, I read so much now. It's just, I'm all over the place. But back when I was a kid, those were the three authors that I read a lot. Um, and John Saul, he was just brilliant in his writing and the way that he would craft these stories. And like, if you thought like the grandmother in Flowers in the Attic was spooky, you know, in the book, uh, you need to read the one that John Saul did with the creepy, creepy grandmother in it, because that one just scared me so bad. Like, and I loved my grams and stuff, but I didn't want to go visit her after I read that book, you know, not for a few little while. Uh, <laughs> he, he just does something so beautiful with those. And when I was growing up, so this, uh, the, oh my gosh, what is that? The, the green mile. Yes. Um, okay. So what happened is that um, Stephen King, when he grew up, he grew up reading serials where books would come in, in like section forms. So right. Green Mile was originally released. This is for the younger listeners. I'm going to educate you. The um, original Green Mile was released in six different segments. And so I would have to, I would buy one and then I'd have to wait a few months to get the next one and then go get the next one and the next one. Well, John Saul also did that too. He came up the rear of Stephen King and tried that also because they wanted to bring the serial back. Didn't happen. Um, but now we kind of have serials like on Wattpad and, and there's a Kindle, Kindle version now that, that has yes. the serials. I can't remember what that's called off the top of my head. Um, so John Saul came back with the Blackstone Chronicles and it blew me away. Like it was like, I love the Green Mile, but that one wasn't as much horror as most Stephen King books are. Same like with Bag of Bones. Um, it wasn't quite the, the horror story that I was used to from Stephen King. So when I read the Blackstone Chronicles, I was in love. Um, incredible, incredible book. Um, Dean Koontz, he really inspired me. My favorite book by him is The Key to Midnight. And you might be saying, oh, Angie, that's not horror. No, it's not. But it's part of what lent to my crime loving thing that where I put the crime in my books and things like that. Um, in a lot so of many 
uh, I think not to interrupt you, but so many things I think in life can be horror, even when you're not trying to, like, I, I know my grandfather was a big one to get me into James Patterson and a lot Mm -hmm. of his writing, especially like the Alex Cross series, Mm -hmm. that's pretty, that goes to some dark places. Yeah. And the key to midnight has some dark ideas in it, like medical experiments and stuff like that, that, that really gets you. Um, but intensity, I remember reading intensity for the first time and that book picks up right from the very first page and it does not let you go. I mean, if there was ever a book to be named intensity, it was that one. (laughs) Um, and I got to hear Dean Koontz talk at a comic-con once, and I was just mesmerized for two hours while he talked And I could have just sat there and listened to him talk for a day and a half and not gotten up to pee or eat or anything. He was so amazing. Um, But then I did also embrace medical thrillers as well. Michael Palmer uh, was one of my favorites growing up, you know, um, Robin Cook. I read a lot of Robin Cook as well. And um, I just really had fun playing in all these different areas of horror. And then the other author that I read a lot was um, Sue Grafton, the alphabet missed, you know, the alphabet yeah. books. Um, I read a lot of her. I also read a lot of Sydney Sheldon growing up. Um, my mom had a whole collection on her bookshelf that I would go and, and snip, sneak books from and go read the Sydney Sheldon. And that, that taught me a lot more about like, you know, there was a lot of murder in those books. And even though there was romance and and faraway places and stuff, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened in those books too. So I've actually started regrowing my mom's Sydney Sheldon collection here at my house. And every time I'm at a thrift store somewhere, I pick up another Sydney Sheldon book to add to the collection. So I think those are the, the authors that just really culminated, helped me culminate in what I write today. That's amazing. I think that that's just, that's great. Really good author. Like, I, yeah, that's, everyone needs to go back and list, like, listen through this list and write every single one of those down, because I know I am, uh, because I'm just a sucker for it. I think, you know, reading can be so immersive with the right way, Um, Mm -hmm. and I will tell you, we have a lot of authors on that, especially in the horror genre, that with all due respect and much love, are sick, twisted fucks because they just have so much good material and like things like, I I mean, I was talking to Mark Towsey who came on and he, he specialized in like geriatric horror. And he has this really good book called one last shindig where it's like, it was based on like his holiday stuff. Um, his holiday memories of like being on a bus and stuff. But like, I swear when I was reading it, I could literally smell it. And so like, when you describe some of the things in your book. Like I can literally just like see that I can feel that I can touch it. And I think that makes a great author. Um, awesome. So what has inspired you most in life and who, who or what? Uh, just in general or in horror and just in general or in horror, like my, either. my grams. My grams, she's always been a hero to me. Uh, She passed on not long ago. I see a cattail. I want attention. I want attention now. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. Athena, we're we're doing business right now. (laughs) Put on your business pants. (laughs) So my grams, you know, I was raised in the eighties. I was raised by a very strong woman, my mother, and she was raised by her, her mom, who was a very strong woman. And she was always a very big 
role model for me growing up. She was a first lieutenant in the army in psychiatric nursing, fought in, she was in World War II, served in three different countries. Her twin brother was also in World War II in the Navy. And um, so her and her twin brother, and then her husband was in the army also. And he was in Hawaii and um, her twin brother was at Guadalcanal and he actually won a bronze star and stuff. But my grams' stories about the war were just, she has a journals that she kept. Uh, during the war and we saw the first moment that she started really interesting to read some of her yes. oh yeah we found the first moment where she decided she learned how to gamble for the first time play cards and we grew up playing poker and stuff like that at my grams's house and we saw the first time she really started to drink <laughs> and we're <laughs> Irish so all partaking that a lot um but um you know she just was always so strong and so amazing uh, just a great role model to have and you know back then you know in the 80s people say oh women were just pushed to the back burner or things like that they didn't get paid the same thing but i was very lucky to be surrounded by very strong women and independent women who could just do it you know and they could work my mom didn't stay home she worked a job she had um, you know degrees um, she was in computers, you know, back then. So I was raised on a Commodore 64 way back when I'm telling my age now, um, <laughs> you know, just really strong role model to, to follow was my grams. So yeah, she would be the one that inspired me the most. And it's the voice that I keep in the back of my head that says, you know, you can do anything you want to, you know? Yeah, I think when you've been built on a house with strong women, like I, I so relate to this because my grandmother, Brayden calls her sweetie, but mm-hmm. um, she is essentially like my mom in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like she just, I learned how to be a strong woman because of her. Like she yes. helped me walk the walk and talk the talk. And like, she's been a big motivator in things that I want to do in my life. And I take it as a compliment when people are like, you're here, like a carbon copy sometimes in your grandmother. And I'm like, right. look, that's, that's what I aspire to be because she's a strong, she does not. I mean, my grandfather and her have a loving relationship, but you best believe Wilma does not take no shit. Yeah. Um, so I can attest that. <laughs> yeah, she is a strong woman, and she will tell you exactly how she's feeling. She will say it nice, but don't test her. Very polite about it. That's yeah, she's very, she's, she's very polite, but don't need, test her. She yep. does not need test words to read you for filth. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she will. She's a mind ninja. She will literally. So cool. She will literally fuck with your mind before you even have a thing. A I thing was going to say, it. before you even think about it, you're just like, what just happened? <laughs> what did she just say to me? Like, she's so kind and loving, but when you get her to that point, like, go. You're speaking in like, for like three days after, so. She just oh, wow. <laughs> and I take pride in the fact that, like, I, I'm exactly the same way. Like, I can, I can pretty much put up with a lot of things and I can try and be kind and polite, but when I'm pushed a certain way, like you might think I'm nice, but I'm not that nice. I, um, I purposely stay on her good side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's just our friendship, but like, we, we don't have anything that would let me be like, oh my gosh, like what, you know, with him or yeah. there, like, I believe in honesty. So I, and my grandmother was a big person in that. So I believe that like saying how you feel. So if you feel a certain way about somebody, you need to tell them and you can figure things out from there. Um, exactly. 
but I love the fact that you just highlighted that because you could tell in a lot of your characters and your books that these are just like no shit women like they just they are you can tell they're very strong independent women that can handle themselves in a conversation or in life in general just and have a presence Mm -hmm. yeah they linger with you um specifically awesome I love that thank you (laughs) of course uh which horror author would you like to collaborate with and what would you like to write about oh this could be this could be like your fantasy author that you want to write with or someone in that you know that you're wanting to write with i i would i would give anything to write with john saul i i would love love to have you know been able to write you know with him um because he's just i i don't know his his books influenced me so much growing up you know that I don't know, there's not much else I can say than that. Um, and, and I know people would say Stephen King or Dean Koontz even, or Gillian Flynn right. or, you know, somebody else, but John Saul was so influential in my growing up years that I would just love to write with him one day. I mean, if, you, if, if you're, you're listening, listening, if you're listening, <laughs> John Saul, open. yeah, come to the floor, <laughs> she's open. Um, that would be a monster of a story like that would be some deep psychological like stuff he was very good his books are so good at psychological stuff and the horror that that he puts you through so yeah definitely I could only imagine your character development with his psychological would be phenomenal oh that would be the dream team that would be everywhere that would be like what <laughs> Freddie versus Jason was supposed to be like, <laughs> right. like we love Freddie versus Jason for what it is, but like, that's really what it, you know, that would be like the dream team, like draft me up coach. We're in. Um, <laughs> but could you imagine if they were on the same team? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, you know what? I would pay anything to watch Freddie and Jason fuck shit up against predator and alien. Cause they were the two that got those. So imagine the whole, you know, we're going to forget the whole thing that happened with the two movies and them being at each other's throat. They're just going to get along somehow, even though they don't speak the same language and Freddie versus Jason, Jason and Freddie are just going to have to figure it out. It might not be a fair lineup. So match up. So maybe you'd have to do like alien and Freddie versus Jason and predator. Yeah. I was thinking if you're going to do Freddie and Jason of Chucky and Michael. I or ghost like, face or ghost face you know what would be even worse would be uh, well it would be better but i just i it would just be comic calamity is if the two two of the killer clowns would it get up against freddy versus jason like i mean what like is art the terrifier art yeah. the clown and from terrifier and what what's that other clown from american horror story Oh, twist. But I'm actually talking about killer clowns from outer space. Like if the killer clowns uh-huh. from outer space were, if we got like, like shorty and, and stuff, if we got shorty and I'm trying to think the other guy's name, um, the one that does the dog walking or whatever, um, or the pizza one, 
if we got them against Freddie versus Jason, that would be interesting because I don't know if Freddie or Jason would know what to do with those motherfuckers. Like, I don't think they would know what to do with them. <laughs> yeah, they would be like, look, like what? Um, so, I mean, that what would just do, mean- what do those clowns dream about, anyways? Cotton candy. I, cotton candy cocoons that they dream people of i guess i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe their fever dreams will look like what the new uh killer clowns from our space game yeah. is gonna look like maybe yeah. that's what they dream about is people being able <laughs> to play them and like uh, like just like massacre people and yes. so freddie just pops in there and he's like these people are literally like cocooning people what how am i ha- when do i have time for this like he's like taking he's like specifically you did what to the cotton candy to make them do this like yeah or you or you did what you what with that person like what i i just feel like they would be there would be a lot of them like just like uh scratching around being like huh that would be yeah i feel like that 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 would be a two-part movie because the first part would be like they just have to figure (laughs) out what they're doing in life (laughs) And the second movie is where they actually accomplish things. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the hobbies you do to relax? Oh, um, so I like to make horror dolls. Um, I wish what I'd known of this. I was going to say, what kind of, are we talking like the ones that look vintage? It, am like I able to go grab a Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let me grab you a couple real quick and I'll show So we are back. Angie went and got her dolls, which I'm so excited for. Like I'm I don't, really excited to see. I don't think I'm mentally prepared for this because I like when, when you go in, you go all in on something. I do. Right. I do. And I'm so excited. So first, I wanted to show off one of my little Halloween horror Ooh. crafts that I make. Oh, I, I love like that. that. That is it just beautiful. Hangs oh, on the wall. Like hangs on the wall. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I do a lot of crafts like that. So um, I wanted to bring two other dolls with me, but I couldn't find them off the cuff. So this is, um, oh my gosh, what is your name? I don't remember his name. Oh, his name is adorable because he's a mime who's ready to like eat your soul. He's hand painted from head to toe. Even the outfit is painted. I didn't use any stencils or anything. I just went with it by myself. And Holy his eyes, shiz. you go girl. White, so they kind of, I forgot what I named you. Oh, clowning around Carl. This is clowning around Carl. Clowning around Carl. I like yep. that. <laughs> so this one is my first one that I'm actually putting up for sale. This is Asylum Annie. Oh, <gasps> I met her. So she has this rose. Did you? She has this rose on here and she believes her powers that the rose commands her to kill. So the blood drips down from the rose after she kills somebody. So this is Asylum Annie. They all have unique names and I never make two dolls the exact same way. So, and then um, beyond crafting horror stuff, my mom actually is very talented as well. And I want to share her business if I can. It is Go for uh, it. creepy Go for characters. It. Uh, she knows nothing about horror. She's only watched one horror movie ever. And that was Scream. Uh, I made her watch it. 
And um, <laughs> she doesn't like horror. So I have to go in and help her with the business so I can tell her what characters are supposed to look like. So this is Jack Torrance. Oh my gosh. He's adorable. They are crocheted. I just died. I'm crocheted. not at that level of crochet. I crochet, but not, I, I'm, I'm making something. I'm not sure what it is until I'm done with it. Or yeah, I can't, yarn, either one. I can't crochet at all. Here's the original Candyman. With this oh hook. my gosh. Oh, that is adorable. His hook is crocheted. Hook is crocheted. Oh, the ghost scream. face. Ghost face. Yeah. This is Chucky. Oh, Chucky. Look at Chucky and his hair, man. If you, does she have like an online store that people can check this out? Um, on Facebook, she has, um, it's called Creepy Characters, and she's got a list of all the characters she makes, but she makes so much more. Like this one's not on the list here. This is the nurse from Silent Hill. Yes. With the floppy head, so she can yes. cock her head each way. And then this is Jack Skellington, of course. I like that. And then we have Michael Myers. If you want, we can. No, Michael Myers. I'm sorry. Leatherface. Leatherface. I just thought that. I was like, I'm sorry. No, this is Leatherface. Leatherface, my dude. You look good. If you want, you can send the link to Cassandra and we can put it in the bio of this. Yeah, we will most definitely. So look for the link. The one I sent to Ashley Cozzy, Billy the Puppet. That is so cute. cute. (laughs) Yes. And one of my favorites that I don't have on me is Michael Jackson, Thriller Michael Jackson. That would be really cool. So many, so many amazing ones. And I'm missing one. Where did he go? I hope the dog didn't drag him off. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I don't know where he went. It was Eric Draven from The Crow. I need to yes. I need to get that now. Yeah, Eric we just did, from the crow. We just That's did a whole favorite. Yeah, we just did a whole episode on it. And uh, first of all, we're linking oh. the shop. But second of all, um, most people don't realize this because they look at me and they're like, "Oh yeah, she does." It. I have a giant tattoo on my back of "It Can't Rain All the Time" with crows in it. Um, That's amazing. And That's I plan amazing. on getting more. But yeah. The Crow is my comfort movie, and we just did a deep dive, and it took everything in me to not cry. And I know somebody was like, "Oh, he's gonna cry about the Crow," and I'm like, "Why aren't you crying?" Like, we all have our things, you know. Instead of "I'm not crying, you're crying," I'm crying. Why aren't you crying? (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. So she makes all different kinds of creepy characters, all ones. Um, she hasn't made them yet, but she's got Art the Clown on the list from Terrifier. And, oh my gosh, that'd be another good yeah. one. You'll have to so, tag me in that so I can, yeah, definitely like take a look at that because absolutely. And then she also makes uncreepy characters, is what we call them. So she made like Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs for me, the Chiefs quarterback. She made um, Baby Yoda. Uh, she's made Batman. She's made Dwight Schrute from the office. She's made the flash. She, so she'll do just about anything and she takes custom orders too, but she's so talented, but I have to help her out with all the horror stuff because she doesn't know what they're supposed to look like. So like when the pattern comes with the wrong buttons, the color buttons for Chucky, which they did, I have to tell her, no, no, those aren't the buttons he wears. (laughs) So 
Yeah, I have to help her with the hairlines and everything like that and taught her how to dry paint like on Jack Torrance's beard and stuff. So yeah, it's it there's so much fun. They're so much fun. They are so much fun. And I we will definitely be linking stuff in this bio for this to push that over because that's amazing. Like yeah, I there's no way that I could do that. I've seen people do Sam from Trick or Treat and I can only imagine Winifred or one of the Sanderson sisters. <gasps> that would be one that I'd be like, yes, I need that in my life. <laughs> she can do pretty much anything, pretty much anything. And um, she has done Sam from Trick or Treat. That one sells out right away when she has that one ready. But I mean, she like takes just... custom orders too. She does dragons and unicorns. And she's recently did a phoenix that was so <laughs> huge. Yeah, she could do just about anything. Yeah, that that's amazing because I know that those are so hard to find because people think like the horror objects are not synonymous with being cute, but like there are so many cute ones out there. And I Jack Torrance not adorable. Right. Like he's ready to murder, he's ready to party, and like you can't tell him anything. He's Uh, ready for it (laughs) all. Yeah, exactly. So that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And then, so, and then I make the, the, what they're, I call them deviant dolls. I haven't set up a website yet for them, but like I said, this is the first one that I was putting up for sale was Asylum Annie. Oh my um, gosh. She's working gonna... on one right Ew. now that's taking forever. Uh, it's, um, but she's burnt. Like I'm hand burning her with a candle <gasps> all over her body and stuff. And that is dedication. Um, right now that it's is. just her face and her, her hands. So it, doesn't look right (laughs) so but but I'll show you a picture later (laughs) oh my goodness Um, okay yeah definitely check out her store yeah if um the last question that I have for you is if one of your books or your book series was picked up by a film company would you rather have it be made into a movie or a mini series so um you know like a book like Conduit um see I I make up my own monsters and I make up my own lore so like in Conduit it's a psychic private investigator up against a psychic serial killer and but I rewrote what it meant to be psychic and I wrote new elements to it so it's not anything you've ever seen or heard before you know some things are going to sound a little familiar but there's a lot of new stuff in there chronicler mr smith i made up my own monsters and my own lore my own vocab everything about it and same in chrysalis i did new things with demons that people had not seen yet so i i like to stay original um so the thing is like with conduit it would definitely have to be like a netflix miniseries or something Hey, Netflix. Who would, you want, uh, who would you want as the main character? If like you got to pick from like any actor. Dead or alive. Dead or alive. So for Emily Monroe, I have a girl and let me actually find her name. It's Emily. Oh my goodness. Let me find it. Uh, because I think I've got, I've got a whole... I have a whole, uh, a she's, thing already of, plan out. she's already got it planned out. Like, yeah, <laughs> I never do this. Be- I never do this before. Um, let's see. Um, 
No, that's not, it's not under there. Oh, Dreamcast. Here we go. The Dreamcast. So, um, Emily Monroe. Oh my gosh. No, that's not her. That was somebody else I had chosen, but I changed my mind on. So, um, anyways, I didn't really cast, um, Jake Hanley in it because it's going to be really hard to cast him. Um, but I was thinking, you know, somebody unknown, I wanted Emily Rose to play Cassie Reed, the best friend, because she's just so perfect for that role. Um, I love her voiceovers and uncharted, you know, the video game series and everything. And I love her in Haven and stuff. Uh, Dominic Purcell would be perfect as the serial killer. Oh my God. That would be perfect. Like he, the, he's, he's a good one. He's a good one. He's got a lot of really good, his horror movie with him and Henry Cavill is like the most underrated thing I have ever seen in my life. And I am so mad that nobody knows about it. Like I literally feel like if I met Henry Cavill, that I would probably just, or Dominic Purcell, I'd probably go on for like an hour about the movie and be like, yes. you were robbed. You were robbed. This movie is great. You were robbed. Besides the fact that Dominic Purcell, a thousand percent should have been Venom in the Spider-Man stuff. Oh yeah. A thousand percent it should have been Dominic Purcell. So, and then for um, Detective Sergeant Sean Brandt, I want Sean Astin, or I'm mm. sorry, Sean, Ash- Sean Ashmore for it. Oh Yeah. Uh, he would be just perfect. I watched him in the following. And as soon as I watched the following, I was like, he would make the perfect Sean Brandt. The following again is another, that, that honestly, now that we're talking about it, that would be like my absolute horror series because that series came out of nowhere. And I remember Jim and I had just like started dating when that became popular and we Mm -hmm. watched all of the seasons together. And I just remember we were like, what the, the like you know ser- the first episode yes like cults are such a hard thing to kind of move pieces and parts to anyways yes but then making it into a show and making it multi-layered like they did and the fact that this is on like fox like broadcast tv and yeah. it really went through i mean it's kind of like hannibal like i'm so always so surprised that that in oh. hannibal like that they were able to get away with the stuff that they were. Cause Hannibal, like they, he straight up maims people. Like that was gruesome and it was great. It yeah, was so Mad, much fun. Mad Michelson. I mean, he is just, again, he would be another one that I would be like, look, you are robbed. You were robbed. This show should have had like 20 seasons. We mm-hmm. should all like know about this. And he, it, it didn't. So absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Um, Conduit would have to be a series just because I make up my own lore and stuff. And there's a lot of in-depth to that to try to explain what a conduit is and things like that. Right. Um, so I feel like that would have to be a series, but other ones I could definitely see as like a movie, you know, yeah, definitely like, um, like the book signing murders. So I could see that yeah. as like, I could see that as a dark comedy and literally oh, just yeah, like, easily. Like, oh yeah just having fun with it like I could see some just fun shit with it like yes. I really could like it's like ash versus the evil dead kind of level of just like humor with playing around with things and stuff like that like I could just see like like a music montage while this guy is like murdering somebody and it's just like oh. a, such when a great was, scene when I was reading it I was getting some like for some reason, I was picturing 
oh god it had to do with like it it's raining so it's like dreary out and then like some of the like the vocabulary from the lead detective is you know like what it it reminds me of 60s, to- 70s kind of like mentality of oh a woman can't be this but in actuality yeah they can and um I just, he's living in noir land and mm-hmm. nobody else is living there except for no, virginia Virginia's the one. In it. yeah yeah it, it reminds me a lot of um i don't know if you've seen this and it's on hbo max right now but this is way back in the day but cast a deadly spell with no. um julianne moore and um i'm trying to think there are a bunch of people in it but anyways it's like that it's a noir style it's a comedy this guy is like investigating things it goes south like it is all over the place it's a wow. fun mess um the guy from pet cemetery Two, the really dickhead stepfather i'm trying to yes. on his name he's in it too he plays a character but it's it's really like that like this guy like thinks he's still like he's still it and he's really just cold coleslaw and it's him trying to like move through with his life and just like cold he's like coleslaw. yeah just like <laughs> i mean i guess coleslaw is supposed to be cold anyways but like luke you know lukewarm like it's been noodle. Out of the yeah it's it's a it's a wet noodle like the, you know it's been <laughs> left out for a while it may have dried up in the sun for a minute um it's still trying and you you're like you go you little noodle but you're still in the back of your mind that you're like that fucker is just sunk well angelica martin and johnny bone still have more more life to them left and there will be a sequel coming out next year to yes. the book. so um, i was think- briefly going to talk about this um yeah. for those who haven't had a chance um buy it on amazon it's on kindle too i believe um but even if it's not I mean, it's, it's awesome to have in your collection, but it is really, it's a satire on a noir and it is these characters that really just, I mean, Angie just said it, that are just kind of all over the place. This guy really thinks he's just this hot sod and he's not. And, um, these are based off of like real life characters, like real people that Angie knows. And they were like, Hey, we want to be murdered. And, uh, you know, Angie being nice was like, yeah, well, let's do that. Um, <laughs> so I'm so excited to see that because I just feel like, read this people, read this and come it, back to it. But, really, it's short, but it is so action packed that yes. you're just, you're done within like 30 minutes and you're just yeah. like, I want more. Like, yeah, it's 67 it, pages. It moves fast it's you know it does a lot and the way the reason that this these people are being murdered is just absolutely ridiculous but i can also relate to on a personal level I can relate to it. Um, yeah. especially <laughs> being pregnant uh i'm pretty sure i'm not, not pregnant and i would kill over that so. <laughs> me too i would too honestly <laughs> i mean i i will be honest there were a couple times when i really thought that i was going to jump over the like the enclosure at a buffet at ryan's for some chocolate chip cookies because i really i mean i was uncomfortable i wasn't feeling it and i was just over it i wanted those cookies so let i i understand his motives like yeah (laughs) we're we're good we we understand and we we our hearts go out to the killer yeah (laughs) we understand 
I want to say, you know, Johnny Bone Steele, who's the lead detective, you know, and on the cover, he's an awesome guy in real life. Um, Dante Delamore, he's the person who shot the cover. He's an amazing photographer and cover model. Um, and uh, he's so much fun. Uh, Robert Kelly is a mostly romance cover model, but he's done a few horror now. And uh, mine, uh, Darkness Beckons, my short horror story collection, was his first one that he did, and we shot it at the Stanley Hotel oh, in Estes Park, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, and um, so uh, Virginia Johnson, Jolene Huber, Eden Rose, uh, amazing people that uh, work on Anytime Author Promotions. They have book signings all over the world or, you know, all, all over the States. We're having one in Salem, Massachusetts next year, another one at the Stanley Hotel next year, um, Kansas City, Michigan. I mean, they're all over the place. Graceland for the first time. And then um, Paige, and Zach, Paige Boggs and Zach Jenkins, who are now engaged, by the way. Uh, um, they got, they, I mean, they bit the dust. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> they run uh, thrills chills and kills with me on facebook uh, it's a horror thriller fan club and we also have an annual film fest it's our third annual one coming up here in october it's free to attend and it's virtual and next year we're actually going to hopefully have our first live one so um all these people in the book prometheus susan fantastic romance author love her she loves to kill people too um in her books, but just, she's really great, great friend. And so I can't say enough about these people, Piper Johnson, Virginia's daughter, who's in it. So many wonderful people in the book could not have been here without those people saying, oh yeah, you can use my real name. So <laughs> I you do have, go I ahead. do have a question about yeah. Johnny Steele, Bone Steele. Bone Steele. Uh, are you gonna keep the eye patch? Yes. Okay, because yes. I love safe. the the back story that we got a little bit about the yeah was hilarious. I'm just like <laughs> it's just comical. You just as Brayden, <laughs> as Brayden says, he deserves a Stoopy sticker award. <laughs> Stoopy sticker. <laughs> Stoopy sticker. So you know, if if we ever make those one day, you know, I um, could go yeah, right I on can present patch. it to him in person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it on the eye patch, man. Put it on the eye patch. Um, but you're telling me that we could literally, Zane and I can literally frolic in Graceland and in Salem, Massachusetts, and see you. Um, and the Stanley Hotel. Yes, and the Stanley. I don't know about that one. Okay, I don't know if I want to bring some. I'm a little uh, disconcerned about that, Why? just because I have actually like driven past the Stanley Hotel um, at different times when we were in Colorado, and not knowing what it was, but just knowing that it was it it was there. Um, no, no, thank you, ma'am. Okay. Well, okay, just just approach it from this viewpoint then. Parts of Dumb and Dumber was filmed there, including oh, the part yeah. of the bar. And when you walk out of the bar, you'll still see the newspaper clipping Man Walks on Moon in the bar. Oh my the gosh. So approach it from that point of view that Parts of Dumb and Dumber was- I want to go. She's so, the one that- See, look, I'm all for going. I'm just going to have to bring Jim with me. And if it's like Dumb and Dumber was filmed there, I'm like, Jim, look, you're home. You know? Yeah. I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little crazy dumb. You're the dumber one. 
we, we make this work. <laughs> and the original Shining was not filmed there. It was filmed in a hotel, I believe in Oregon. Yes. But the remake, the miniseries with um, Stephen Weber and Rebecca DeMornay, yes. that was actually filmed at the Stanley Hotel. And they have such, it's such an amazing history beyond even the Shining being filmed, you know, being thought of there by Stephen King. It's, I it's feel got like my mind can't wrap around it because Zane, this is one of Zane's favorite movies. And I just remember like, we're going to have to bring that up for miniseries month, uh, definitely. But it just gives off, um, because obviously it's The Shining, but it also gives off Rose Red vibes. And yes. I, I love Rose Red. That is I don't want to get snatched. Do you know that you can't find that anywhere to stream? And the DVD costs no. $50 online? Amazon, $20. Yeah. I found it for 50 I couldn't find it for 20 I just well, looked at the DVD. Um, I didn't look at the Blu-ray or... No, that was DVD. It was $50 also, when I looked the other day. Also, yeah. scan, scan eBay because it's yeah. like on the for real, for real. Because um, I've looked out a couple times, like Day of the Dead goes for um, Dawn of the Dead. Sorry, the original Dawn of the Dead, the yeah. Blu-ray version, because they had that 4K edit that was, that yeah, was overseas. Yeah. And some people were able to grab that because that's region free. Like the 4K is region free, um, right. which I was told by my local, I, I'm going to call my local crack dealer at the exchange. <laughs> um, but anyways, they have it for $40 and somehow don't ask me why I was just searching the interwebs and I found a copy of Dawn of the Dead for $4. I think it was like 42 wow. with free shipping. And I really thought that it was going to come with like, it, it, it was just not going to be good. Like it was just, uh, the disc was going to come and I was just going to have to deal with what, and I'm going to have to do some kind of sorcery to bring it back. And that thing was brand freaking new. Wow. Um, wow. But I mean, and films like that, it's so hard to find. Like I yeah. know that Rose Red um, and Near scour, Dark. Scour those garage sales. That's yeah. what I say. We we have a massive garage sale week long here at Oktoberfest. Uh in our town, uh, span between three different towns here. So I'm going to, I always scan there for, uh, DVDs that are hard to find the, the horror ones and stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes I do pick up an occasional VHS tape. So, oh yeah, I do too, as well, just for like uh, display, because it, it brings me back to like, like the gold tier for me right now is to yes. find the crow uh vhs the actual original one with like because i had that dvd cover and like i still have mm -hmm. i have the new like the new one because obviously i had to restart my whole collection after brain's dad and i split up um but just that like that image of him like walking in and it's just iconic like so yes. i need that um and i'm gonna find some yeah the original the stand on vhs at a garage sale and I was like, I don't care how much it costs. I'm buying it. And they're like a dollar. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> okay, let's go. Yeah, somebody, and it was, I think it was free, uh, Fremont around us. They put into Goodwill, like brand new sealed VHSs. And so it was like um, Dracula, Bram Stoker's, the Francis Ford Coppola, the- um, the Gary Oldham. Yes. Winona Ryder, Keanu yes. Reeves. Yes, yeah. and the Jaws and the Aliens and like there were a couple of the Lost Boys. So I was like, um, "You're coming home with me, like now." Yeah. Like it wasn't even a like I literally exclaimed in the middle of Goodwill, like, 
what yeah that's and insane I think people looked at me like and the sad the sad part is I can see that yeah I can I get, see her doing that I, I, I really have <laughs> I really have no shame when it comes to things like that like Jim Jim will know like I will literally like I, I saw somebody looking at the Christine one in the flea market and I literally like right in front of them and was like, nope, that's mine. And <laughs> went forward. And I You're don't bad. think they had time to process, but I was just no. like, I was like, look, I was going back to get the money anyway. So it was not yours, sir. Okay. It was not yours. I told the guy that I was already buying it. Like, no, you are not getting it, <laughs> but no. I am. You have to have the money first before you can say it's mine. I can't have the money. Right. I I mean, but here's the thing. I don't keep money. Jim keeps the money. So it's like, hey, honey, you you need to, because I would be losing money all over the place. He just didn't yell Jim and just say, get over here. (laughs) I mean, I could have, he would have been like, I I understand now why you did that. Like (laughs) he would have been like, I approve. I'm the one when I find something like that, I'm like, oh my God. And, I, uh-huh. and then you I hug it to my like chest. Yeah, I don't want anybody else to know that I have it. You and know? the funny part about that is I now, so like, we're going to be doing an episode about it, but I do a lot of horror training um, with different people. Like I got started in a, a Dollar Tree group and I have different people that will literally like scour places for me. And so they'll have ones and they'll, I'll give them my list and stuff like that but they hit me up all the time. So like random big boxes just show up sometimes at our house of like DVDs. Wow. Cause I'm trading other ones with them. And wow. I'm like, Here's the problem. This, this could look very conspicuous to somebody. Like I'm, I'm trying to, tra- like, it looks like I'm trying to traffic something and it's just movies. Like they're going to break open the box and be like, what person had a 50 DVD box coming to them? Like, Oh what? <laughs> so I mean, so yeah. So I mean, like horror trading, like a lot of people do that now because it's so hard to find different things and Dollar Tree, because a lot of places are phasing out their DVDs and stuff like that. Dollar Tree gets a ton of them. So like a couple months ago, we were in COVID and Zane went to his local Dollar Tree and I was upset Shutter because had... Shutter they released a ton of Shutter. So like one cut of dead and different ones like that, like Beelzebub and um the executioners and stuff and so he found like a a box that I literally bought 25 DVDs from the dollar this was back when it was just a dollar it was in the dollar 25 and I literally asked because I I used to work at my local dollar tree and I said hey so and so can I have like one of the DVD boxes so I can just carry these out and just give them to her and they said yeah sure go for it they said Oh, and then I get a message later on that night. We just got more DVDs in. Yeah. I had, and I'm just like, don't tell me that. Cause then she's going to want me to go back and buy more. <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, look, COVID is not going to stop me. I know all these people that can get some to me. So I literally, I literally, was like I literally FaceTimed her, FaceTimed her. And she's <laughs> yeah. just like geeking out on the phone. And I'm like, Cassandra, reel it in a little bit. She I said, could not. No. I had no chill. I had no chill. Oh, she had no chill. I had no chill. And wow. so, I mean, and they get some Screen Factory sometimes too. So like Itsy Bitsy came there mm-hmm. a while ago and that was $1.25. And I was like, whoa, like wow. I'm not a spider person, but I will pick up 20 copies of that for the people that I trade with. Cause I know they are going to want that right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah, I mean, it does make you look like a crazy person, but I'm the same way with garage sales. So now that you've said that, don't be surprised if you bump into me at your, the one that's coming up. Cause I've convinced Jim to go on a road trip because it's absolutely necessary. Come on down to Howenwald. <laughs> We're doing it. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, Angie. This yes. has been absolutely amazing. We are definitely going to have you back on. That's the one thing about the Horrorcraft podcast. When you're on, you're on for life. Like Yay. you get to come back all the time. Um, you'll I'm get sick glad. of us. <laughs> so if anybody is on Clubhouse looking for a really cool group to be a part of, look up the horror community, the horror movie club that Angie helps run. And horror, horror fam movie club is what we horror call fam it. Movie club, yeah, because we were the horror fam at one at one point. We went side. The lights went off for a little bit, and then now we brought them back on. Yeah, that was the <laughs> never ending room for twenty four hours yes. straight for over a month that we had going. I was number four in the room. Pat started it. Uh, uh, Ariel Basca came in, who now is an accomplished horror director, and yes. Nick who does movie posters now uh, he was like number three and I was number four and then I think that's how I met Cassandra was in the yeah. horror fam room and yeah and I so just I just showed up and Max was like yeah you seem like a cool person just stay in here and we watched the pool and then we watched chopping mall and I remember falling asleep to chopping mall and I was like I just need to continue on because these are my people and so I I like made it to most of the movie but then I was like I need to go to bed uh, did you get to watch zombie ass toilet of the dead no and i'm so upset that i never got to be a part of that like i i feel like now that's a team building thing like we yeah. uh, one of our other uh, friends that was on the podcast nye she suggested this uh movie that would have us in a giggle state so we keep saying that we're going to start keeping a list and it'll be like team building exercises that we go through <laughs> and we watch this movie together and just absolutely like love it or hate it. it was, um, for that specific episode, I had done the notes for that episode because that's what yeah. I would do when I first started this episode. I would do the fact sheets for all the movies, and they said, "Hey, yeah. here's here's eleven movie, thirteen movies. Can you just do like a short synopsis and just the general information?" I'm just like, "Yeah, okay," and I'm just like. <laughs> I got creative. Let's just say that I got creative with my notes. I think like, you described I, Night of the Lepus as co a low budget Coachella with um, mm -hmm. beer. I, so. One of them was just like these idiots. And I just referred to the people, the scientists as idiots mess with nature and nature kick their ass. And like one of them, we found out that they literally like paid people with beer and like maybe some yes. slide some through with like some marijuana or something like mm -hmm. that if they had the budget. That is awesome. They, they didn't so, have, they were like low budget films. So there wasn't like a big budget for the actors. So like the directors would pay in beer, alcohol, any kind of alcohol that they wanted. And just like, you're just thinking like, how did they make ends meet? But then you're just like, they probably have other things stoking in the fire too. So oh, yeah, wow. there, there, it was just hilarious. But it, you know, I came in and horror, the horror fam, when they were doing spiral, because um, both uh, Max and Ashley were the ones that convinced me to go, do the whole week with them and watch spiral. 
uh, to all the Saw movies leading up to Spiral. And yep. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. But then Jim like partaked in it with me. And it really did end up changing my mind about the Saw movies, which I did not think was going to happen. Um, yeah. But they then we got some really cool experiences. So I like remember Zane was over. He doesn't even remember this, but Psycho Gorman, we had just watched that oh. when it had come out. And Max had got the voice actor to come on. And I was just like, holy shit, we need to be on for like a couple minutes. And so we, I literally like geeked out. I was like, this is so fucking cool. So there are so many cool experiences during quarantine that I will take away like forever. Like it will be. And so many friends. Yes. So many new friends that you'll love for a lifetime. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. the horror fan movie club. So what we do when there was on Monday nights, we talk about a different movie. Um, we do some watch parties on occasion. Um, we actually just talked about psycho Gorman not long ago. Uh, such a great movie. Yes. Um, yes. and, um, on Thursday nights, uh, Jolene Huber and Paige Boggs and Nick Cruz and I do uh, three chicks and a Nick. And that's our true crime club cast. It's like our podcast on clubhouse because it's audio only. And we talk about different uh, true crime stories. So like this Thursday, we're talking about Cropsy. Last week, we talked about Eileen Warnos um, and everything's on replay. So you can go on and into the club now and replay it. You can come find me on clubhouse. I'm at zombie Chica. It's Z-M-B Chica. So that's how you'd find me on there and find the horror fam movie club. Yes. And all of Angie's books are available on Amazon. All you literally have to do is search Angie Martin and you will be spammed with tons of amazing reads. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them are available on Kindle. So you can literally just search it and then read it right then and there. Um, So they're also on audiobook. Yes. I, I saw that with, yeah which I, I'm not a big audiobook person, but I feel like for that, that would be really cool. I'm not either, believe it or not, but a lot of people just love audiobooks. So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's yeah. do audiobooks. I mean, I could see I, how that would definitely translate. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm old school. I like the book in my hand, flip the papers, have my own voice in my head reading it. Absolutely. Not that, not that there's nothing wrong with audiobooks. Love yeah. them. It's a good industry to get into. I just like paper the paper yeah yes me too me yeah. too <laughs> I there's just something so like cathartic about like opening that book Flipping. touching the pages the and stuff smell like, of it. smell yes so yeah you know crack one open get out of your coffin amazon it uh open it up read it some and, <laughs> blend in um and dive into Angie's books because I'm telling you you will definitely not regret it and And if you start one you'll want to finish them all yes and Angie has so many that are coming out and she does so many great events so we will link it all below but thank you so much Angie for coming on we thank you we so appreciate it and Zane you made it through it like I did like not that I didn't think you would (laughs) but like you know golf clap And one last thing, if you do come to one of my events that I'm doing, I'm usually doing events with uh, anytime author promotions. So the people that you'll read about in the book signing murders, they will be there to sign the book also. Yes. Which would be super cool. Again, we're going to be frolicking after you in Salem, Massachusetts. I'm going to wake up in the morning (laughs) and tell Jim that like life goal achieved, we're going to go follow after Angie 
to Salem, Massachusetts, so we can get the people to sign all of this book. And, and I think to- every single, every single person should be there that's yes. in the book. And then we're just going to frolic around, um, yep. freaking, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, just like everything. So, but thank It'll you be so, so much. Fun. Thank will, you. It will be so much fun. So, um, thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate thank it. You. And please check out everything thank that Angie so does. She's amazing. And until next time, this is me, Cassandra, and my other partner. Yeah. And right now we are just uh, vibing. So catch us in the next episode. And as always, um, let's just cue that fucking music. And stay spooky. Um, Because spooky... Yeah, spooky season is upon us. So it's not just us saying anymore. It's spooky season. It's not a season. It is life. Yes. Yes. Life. Life. Yes. It's a lifestyle. So Lifestyle. So please join us. But until (laughs) next time, this is us saying bye and have a good night. We're out.